Good morning, everyone. You're listening to Out and About with Elaine. This is Elaine LaRoche. It is dark outside, but wait until next weekend when we have to uh, fall back an hour, and it's going to be so dark because daylight saving time is next weekend. I can't believe it. Yeah, that's when you get up and it's pitch black and you go home from work and it's pitch black. Oh, I hate this time of year, but um, Jim Corbin is going to be calling in in about uh, 10 minutes from now to give us a weather update. I was looking at the forecast, you know, going into this week. It's not too bad, but the following weekend, starting next Saturday, Sunday, Monday, a week from, it's going down in the 30s at nighttime. So, yeah, I think that we, uh, we're going to be really enjoying like the last week of fall before... Um, before the cold weather hits us like a freight train. Ugh, unreal. I don't know. But anyway, we have a great show for you today. We're continuing our uh, Get to Know the Candidate. And at 8 o'clock to 8.30, uh, my good friend, Representative James Hawkins, is going to be in studio with Richard Lunt. And we'll be interviewing him about his candidacy. And then from 8.30 to 9, we'll do uh, legislative updates with him real quick. Um, as you know, um, I am leaving December 17th is my last show, so we've got probably about six more shows because we don't do the Thanksgiving one. So um, I've lined up a lot of guests um, to entertain you and inform you um, as we go out with a bang. All right, so my daughter hooked me up with uh, TikTok, and I, I scroll through the TikTok, and then before you know it, like an hour goes by, and it's like, oh, my God. But um, there was once... Um, major corporation came before Congress, and uh, one of this um, Congress women um, had held up a chart about profit sharing and profits and why the inflation is the way it is. And I want to, I'm just telling, I'll just read this, okay, because it came right from the source here. So prices of goods and services are asking companies to start raising prices. So top executives in major industries collected 58% of the price increases, right, go right into their bank accounts, and that's true. So the inflation isn't, there isn't no inflation, but they're taking advantage of us and raising all these prices. And I'm going, wait a minute, we are the people who need gas, food, electricity, medicine, and so much more. And I'm asking the politicians to stop taking their money and protecting them and stand up for the people, make laws to benefit by the people, for all of us, and I just think that this is an atrocity when I seen that chart, because I thought, you know, okay, they were all those container shipments out, out in California waiting to be, you know, delivered. They had the trucker strike and all that stuff, and now everything is moving smoothly, but when I seen that, like 58% of our inflation is, is a direct result of companies, company greed, corporate greed, and it just makes me very, very angry. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a concern of mine. It's a concern of yours. Every time we buy something or pay a bill or, you know, go to the gas station, prices are going up again. And, um, and prices of homes, you know, I looked at, um, I journal sometimes, and I'd like to get back into journaling. But in, in 2016, the average house was eighty six dollars to $145,000 you could buy a two-bedroom house back then. And that's 2016. Isn't that something? Yeah. All right. So, hey, listen, you know, Monday, Halloween, it used to be a fun time dressing up and going out. (laughs) No. All right. I have five brothers and sisters, 
so we're a family of seven. We were, we were not, yeah, okay, we had used clothes, hand-me-down clothes. People would drop off clothes to us. No kidding, it's not, it's the truth. My dad was a chain manufacturer for 30 years, and sometimes it was so lean. I remember having mashed potatoes and vegetable soup over it. It was bad. But we had pillowcases. Nobody had gone to the store and, and bought, you know, these um, high-tech, you know, cloth, um, trick-or-treat bags and all this stuff. Nope. Mom would just give us a pillowcase, and yep, we went out, and uh, we just did the best we could. But uh, those, remember wearing those plastic masks we wore? God, they were hot. And those little eye slits made it difficult to see, but we didn't care. Today, Halloween is a national holiday. Expensive costumes, I mean, 40 and $50. I mean, it is unbelievable. Is that Jim Corbin calling in? Yes. All right. Well, I'm going to put him on, and I'll talk to you about Halloween after. So good morning, James. How are you on this cold, dark morning? <laughs> yeah, it is cold, and it is kind of dark, although it is going to be nice and bright as the sun comes up in the next 15, 20 minutes or so. So that's the good news. Yeah, I uh, can't wait to hear your story. I interrupted you on, so <laughs> we'll continue that, I'm sure, right after. But we've got another beautiful day today. We've got sunshine. Yeah, it's a little chilly this morning. Uh, most areas are above freezing, though, so there's no uh, heavy frost anywhere. Uh, just a touch of it in some of the more rural locations. We're going to reach uh, somewhere into the upper 50s this afternoon, which is very typical for this time of the year. Winds will be fairly light, so really a nice invigorating day for any outdoor activities. Tonight, mostly clear. Now, tonight, with light winds, we have actually a better chance of seeing some widespread frost. So if you have... Uh, you know, some tender plants, and most people don't have them, but this time of the year on occasion you might have something that does not look good when it gets freezing. You might want to bring them in. But other than that, no problems, low to mid-30s, and then tomorrow, sunshine, mid-60s. So we really have a good stretch of weather uh, continuing for today, the second straight day, tomorrow the third straight day. And here's, Elaine, the good news for Halloween. Uh, much of this week we've been thinking we were going to get an area of rain. It still looks like it's going to be moving in, but not probably until after trick-or-treaters are done. So outside of a quick passing shower tomorrow, uh, Monday afternoon, it's really just mostly cloudy temperatures on Monday in the 60s, uh, a little bit of rain later at night, Monday night into early Tuesday, and then we begin another stretch of several straight days of dry weather with high pressure building in. Uh, no really cool Canadian air moving in. So we're generally going to be in the 50s and 60s during the day, 30s and 40s at night. Again, the night's now much uh, much longer than the days. That's why it can cool off at night. But no big weather issues, and that's the good news. Even the tropics at the moment are quiet. We're still in the hurricane season. Tropics are quiet. There could be something forming over the next week to 10 days somewhere down in the Caribbean, but uh, other than that, really nothing to worry about. So we're in a really good stretch of weather. I think you'd agree. Wow, that's great to know. Oh, my goodness. I know I was telling our listeners earlier, like uh, the following week, though, I mean, temperatures at nighttime all in the 30s, like for the like yeah, Sunday like, yeah, through, yeah. oh, my gosh. It looks like around, around the end of next weekend and, and the following week, which would be uh, right around Election Day, Right. Uh, that's when we're going to start getting chilly. So it could be starting to get colder around the November 8th. So mm -hmm. here we are. What's today? The 29th? Mm -hmm. so, uh, so about another 10 days, and then we're going to start to get chill. And there is some chance of uh, snow in parts of New England perhaps in about another two weeks. So uh, probably not here. It would be more likely north of here. But parts of New England could get another uh, threat at snow, uh, which they did a couple of weeks ago in the mountains. 
but not not obviously in lower elevations. But finally, our first threat of uh, some snow in parts of New England in about two weeks. So uh, the seasons are changing. Yes, they are. I, I mean, driving through Attleboro, North Attleboro, like the back roads, the colors of the leaves, the you know, they're so vivid. The oranges yeah. and the yellows and the reds. Oh, just so beautiful. I love New you know, England. Just to, oh, the seasons, yeah, that's it. it, it, it you know, it's one thing to live in a place where the weather's beautiful all the time, but it never changes, which is fine to each his own. But the New England with the seasons, and so it won't be long before we'll be, uh, you know, having to deal with not just the colors, but then then snow, and then shoveling snow, and then skating on the ponds and lakes, and then and then enjoying the spring, and then the summer, and everything else. So the the changing seasons, I think, for most people, uh, is the big thing. Why why yeah, you like to get away and go south uh, in the winter, but but in terms of overall living the seasons, this is why most people like New England and, and, and other parts of the country, the Midwest, the northern, you know, the Great Lakes and stuff. You have the changing seasons. Who wants the same old BS weather all the time? You know, San Diego, kick your, kick your feet up in San Diego, and the weather's the same almost every day of the year. No, you want you want changing, and that's exactly what we have here in New England. And we're really going to get over the next few weeks we got beautiful weather right now and we could be dealing with snow in, in a couple of weeks so hey, th- there you go uh jim i wanted to ask you um is there anything out in the tropics that are going to be heading our way yeah i just mentioned that there's, there's going to be some possible action in the caribbean in another week to 10 days mm. uh that somewhere near the caribbean or just to the north uh by the way i believe the next name on the list is lisa so uh, we'll see on that but it's uh not likely to affect new england but the season is not dead yet in terms of the hurricane season, mm-hmm. and it has been a, bl- a below average season in the amount of storms, which was not predicted uh, by the Hurricane Center. Most people were predicting a uh, much higher than average season, and it has been near or below average slightly. So, But all it takes is one storm. You can't tell that to the people down in the Fort Myers area of Florida. Uh, oh, it was, a, it was a quiet season. All it takes is one So, uh, to hit your area, and you say, oh, it was a bad season. So, uh, but yeah, there is a chance a lane of something forming in the next week to ten days, but not likely to affect uh, any any land directly. That's the way it looks right now, anyway. Okay, and then next week, remind us we got to turn our clocks back one hour. And we'll have that discussion as we talk about every year. <laughs> Leave the clocks alone. Just do whatever you do. You, myself, just do it at a different time. Right. Forget about changing the clocks. I know. Get up an hour earlier. Have dinner at. <laughs> Have dinner at four thirty instead of five thirty. There you go. Get up at get up get up <laughs> at five a.m. instead of six a.m. Yeah, and, and you don't have to, as we like to say, play around with the clocks. Mm-hmm. Leave the clocks alone and just change the time. We still have nine hours of daylight every day, even in the dreariest of years. So get up right at sunrise. You know all these lazy people that get up at like eight nine o'clock and then they they they're up until ten and they're like oh it gets dark so early then start your day early right start your day earlier mm-hmm. and then you're you're okay it's all psychological right right but it doesn't so, help yeah, that yeah, the weather week, gets really bad from... you know really cold and damp and then you're waking up in the dark and going to work and coming home in the dark you know and oh I know but think about it we still have nine hours of daylight. So mm-hmm. if, if most people's jobs are eight hours, then you can go get up, get up when it's still dark, go mm-hmm. to work just as the sun is coming up, and then get out an hour earlier than you usually do, and you're going to be fine. Well, that makes sense. Have dinner at, have dinner at 4.30. <laughs> Think about it. We all should have dinner at 4.30, then we still have enough time afterwards 
So psychologically, you don't you don't look at the clock. Right. It, it's all it's all it's all a psychological thing, Lane. We'll talk about that next weekend. But anyway, okay. the, the good news is we have a beautiful weekend ahead. We got cool but dry, and I'll talk to you next week. All right, sounds great. Yeah, there's a lot of activity coming up this weekend. A lot of trick or treating in pa- uh, Patriot oh, yeah. Place, and some dances coming up. So I'll be doing that at the seven thirty to quarter of eight, and again at eight thirty. I wanted to ask you. Um, I'm putting yep. a bug in your ear right now. My last show is December 17th. Um, I'm hoping that you'll be able to come down at some point, even if it's at 7.05 or whatever, to do your report and before you head out to North Attleboro. So be thinking about I'll, that, I'll, okay? I'll, I'll be thinking about it, definitely, December 17th. Definitely. Yes. Okay. All right, my friend. Take care. We'll talk to you next Saturday. Uh, all right, Elaine. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye. All right. There goes Jim Corbin. We're going to take a quick break, and then I will jump back into my Halloween story. So stick around. We still have a lot more on Out and About with Elaine, and I'll be right back after these messages. Good morning, everyone. You're listening to Out and About with Elaine. This is Elaine LaRoche. Our number here is 508-222-1320. Before Jim Corbin, we were talking about Halloween and how it was so much fun when you were a kid. Well, today, Halloween is a national holiday with expensive costumes. I mean, yes, I did. I went into um, the spirit of Halloween and Party City, you know, trying to find a Halloween costume, all right? Because work parties are a lot of pressure for a lot of us. I mean, let's face it. I can't dress up as a pirate wench or a sexy witch. You know what I'm saying? Um but uh, last year, I was flow from Progressive. I got all the stuff and the black wig, and it was really fun. So this year, the only thing I could find that was reasonably priced because it was missing a crown was a medieval queen. <laughs> now, I don't know how I'm going to accessorize this. Lord help me. But, uh, yeah, got a party. Got another party. It's, like, unbelievable. And don't even get me started on the price of candy. I mean, geez, it would be cheaper for us to drive out to Hershey, Pennsylvania, to their outlet to get their candy. And I'm not kidding. My grandson goes to Gettysburg, and um, I should have done that. I should have done that. Oh, my God. But do you remember your favorite Halloween candy when you were a kid? Like your very favorite candy. Mine was a Hershey bar. Love chocolate. Oh, my God. It was just so delicious. And uh, But nowadays, everybody's saying, oh, you got to be careful. I mean, we did too, you know, like we always had this thing where, um, I mean, now it's fentanyl that's uh, like in Skittle candy and stuff like that. Somebody's resealing the bags. It's so sick out there. It's ridiculous. But I remember when I was a kid, um, we were taught to bring home all the candy and dump it out, and uh, parents had to go through everything. But if you got fruit, like an apple or an orange, they threw it out because they were afraid that there'd be like a razor blade in it. That, I swear to God, that's, yeah. And you always heard about it, and I think it was folklore that did that, but we were always afraid to get fruit. You know, and if anybody gave us fruit, it was like, what the heck? But, uh, yeah, so I I do have to, I mean, I've moved into a new uh, complex, apartment complex, but it's very secure, so I don't think the the kids can't come into the building to trick or treat. So I'm going to do a trunk or treat, and uh, I'm going to go out there and get some candy, and um, I have a very comfy chair, a folding chair. I'm going to sit out there, and kids go by. They can stop, and uh, I'll give them some really good candy. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeedy. Whew. Wow, I can't believe that it is so cold outside. Man, I had to pull out my winter coat today, and I really didn't want to, but it was like 30-something degrees, and boo, unreal. 
Now, listen to this. I, if you lived in North Attleboro like I did for 20 years, you must have known or came in contact with jo- Joanne um, Cathcart. And uh, she worked for the city. I'm sorry. North Attleboro is not a city yet. North, the town of North Attleboro. And, um, I mean, Joanne, she had a, um, she suffered a spinal injury in a fall while on vacation in July. And, um, unfortunately, like, she needs intense therapy, nursing care, and um, physical accommodations. And um, I just couldn't believe that she, that this had happened to her. I was just really surprised. But, um, Folks in North Attleboro, the Dana Association, which is so wonderful, they're having a fundraising event on November 19th um, at Bristol Arms. That's right downtown. I think it's right across the street from uh, Town Hall from 5 to 8 p.m. to help pay for her um, medical bills and everything. But she's such a lovely lady. I do remember her. She's so wonderful. She always did, you know. She was just really one one of those people that would help you out no matter what. And, uh, and I'm really glad that um, folks are coming. I'm going to see if I can make that, too. I know that I'm working till five. I might be able to make it, but maybe I'll just write a check, a small donation or something. I'm not sure. Well, anyway, listen to this. Remember when we had Heather on and she's working for the, um, the Hebron Food Pantry? Remember she was talking about driving that truck all the way up to the Boston Food Bank? Yeah, well, the Hebron Food Pantry will be getting a $60,000 state-funded uh, money for a refrigerated truck to make deliveries to hundreds of area families. That means that she will have a brand new truck to go all the way up into Boston. Unbelievable, right? This is really great. So um, the um, I guess, you know, what happened was on uh, Wednesday, this was the announcement. On Thursday, uh, Senator Paul Feeney will pre- uh, did present a check at 10 a.m. at the pantry. Isn't that great? Wow. They say that the Hebron Food Pantry serves an average of more than 300 families each week, making it the largest food pantry in the greater Attleboro area. And I think what's happening is this. I really do believe that um, it's more. It's more. It's more. It's much more. It's much more than 300 families. I know for a fact that um, a friend of mine works at the, um, well, it used to be St. Vincent de Paul food pantry on Linden Street, but the Linden, I'll just say the Linden Street food pantry there um, receives over 120 um, each week on Friday night. So I can only imagine the need is very, very real. It is so important. And um, if you go into like any, like Ciabra, Stop and Shop, Shaw's, you will always see looking for food donations and things like that. Now, you can go through the line like I have and uh, back up groceries and then just put it in, you know, the box that's there. Um, some of them are like for a dollar, you can buy mac and cheese or something. It's special marked. But I'd rather, you know, get the soups and pasta, tuna fish and stuff like that, you know, go through the, um, the register. And I just say, well, bag that separate. And then my stuff comes through and then put it in the, in the, um, the box there, the donation box. And I hope that you'll have a chance to do something like that too. I know that the holidays are coming and there's so many people that are alone and, um, all these wonderful community groups are coming together to make sure that you have a great Thanksgiving and details will follow. I promise you, um, there was only one that came across, uh, my desk and, um, and, 
Uh, let's see. The Attleboro Norton YMCA is hosting a dinner at 2 p.m. on Thanksgiving at the Sweet Community House on Peck Street in Attleboro. The event is free to Attleboro Norton Rehoboth residents 60 years old or older, but I'm sure anyone can come down there. Gosh. Um, they said you have to register, and I, I would say I'm giving you a phone call because you know what I mean? It's like to give you all these websites and, and email addresses, it just doesn't make sense. And, um, and if you're over 60, let's face it, you're old school like me. You want to just call and get somebody. 508-409-0767 is the number. Again, 508-409-0767 if you are interested in having a Thanksgiving um, meal there. Now, I know that uh, the Moose Lodge and other organizations are going to be doing this as well. So, um, yeah, check it out. Uh, don't be alone. You know, don't be alone. I particularly have to uh, work that day, as my kids do too, because my kids are in the industries that call for them to work on Thanksgiving. So um, we connect afterwards. Um, wanted to tell you, remember when you have expired medications and stuff? Like I just moved and I opened up a box and I've got like six bottles of gosh, what the heck is this, right? Like antibiotics and things like that. But um, you can drop off. And I and I know because when I went to the Attleboro Police um, Department, the station right over here, they have this big box, um, this container that you can um, pull down. Like a, It's like mailing a letter, only you deposit your, your medications. And uh, that's the safest way to dispose of anything like that. So, yeah, um, I know that Veterans Day is approaching, you know, a Veterans Appreciations. Um, I know that everybody in the area is going to have something um, to honor our uh, veterans. And that's why I'm having um, Ben Quill, our veterans agent, on next Saturday. Um, he'll be talking to us about the activities that the city of Atterbury is planning for our veterans, but also to, um, I wanted to talk to him about all the services that uh, veterans can acquire in the city of Attleboro. So if you're a veteran, you don't want to miss that show, and um, his interview will start next week at 8 o'clock. Okay, so <laughs> moving on. Yes, I have two more. Well, I have a minute. All right, so um, I'm just going to read something real quick, and then um, we got to take a break, and then I'll do some out and abouts. Um, yeah, the uh, I got a I got a notice from North Attleboro Electric Company. It's not National Grid because National Grid raised their rates almost fifty percent or more, right? They sent out a thing saying that they had a surplus fund, and they are going to use that surplus fund to um, offset the rising cost of electricity to North Attleboro residents. And I thought, wow, wow, that is great. They are putting their customers ahead of corporate greed. Just think about that, okay? But Americans are worried about the rising cost of heating this winter. I mean, um, like I had said previous before, um, one of my friends heats with oil and uh, they already sent him a, a notice saying, hey, we're offering a discount of $4.50 a gallon, but it's going up to $5 a gallon soon. And um, yeah, so I mean, the heating, the heating crisis is going to be with us all winter long. Oh, my God. So get those electric blankets out and um, oh, yeah, just be mindful. You know, like I shut down my heat when I leave and I raise it. 
when I come home. I know like last night I did um, put the heat on, but I put it up to like 62 <laughs> because I didn't want to spend it. I have electric heat. And um, so I can only imagine what the oil and everything would cost. So, um, yeah, we're all in, I hate to say that phrase, but it's true. We're all in this together. And that's a fact. I mean, we're all facing these things and, um, oh, I just don't see any end in sight. Maybe representative Hawkins can tell us when, when, and, um, but who knows? I do have somebody coming on to talk about real estate because that is, I mean, it's amazing how everything's changing in that market too. Hey, listen, it's 7.30. I'm going to take a quick break. And on the flip side, I've got a lot of trick-or-treating, Halloween, spooktacular, and all the other good stuff to read to you. So stick around. We still have a lot more on Out and About with Elaine. I'll be right back after these messages. Good morning, everyone. You're listening to Out and About with Elaine. My number here is 508-222-1320. Woohoo! All right, so what's going on, Elaine, you're asking me? All right, well, we got uh, Representative Jim Hawkins coming on in the 8 o'clock hour, and uh, Richard Lunt will be here shortly to uh, talk to us about the questions that are going to be on the ballot. But for right now, and again at 8.35, I'm going to read you what's out and about with me. Okay, now today... They have these trunk or treat sales. Uh, everybody can dress up in costumes and go. Uh, yeah, you can walk around and there's cars that are going to pop up their trunks and there's going to be people distributing candy. Well, today, there are two places that you can go. One is La Salette, right down the street from here on Park Street from 3 to 5 o'clock today. So have the kids dress up and everything. Go to La Salette Shrine and, um, yeah, they can get some candy. Woohoo! And then Thompson Realty Group is having theirs on County Street. It's 272 County Street from 5 to 7 p.m. Yes, so those are the two things that I can see here. Um, the Lions Club, the South Attleboro Village Lions Club, is having their second annual ha um, Halloween dance. Yes, it's from 7 to 11, and that's tonight at the North Attleboro Elks on Bullfinch Street. Um, music is going to be provided. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, you can bring your own food, it says. Um, there's going to be raffle prizes and other surprises planned. Uh, costumes are encouraged, but our optional tickets are $25 in advance or at the door. And all proceeds will benefit the Dana-Farber and Jimmy Fund. That is great. So if you're, not, if you're looking for something to do, want to have some fun, go over there and, and check it out, okay? Um, there is going to be a... Halloween parade in Foxborough. I think this is adorable. Kids get dressed up and everything. Oh my God, it's just really, really super cute. Uh, from 2.30 to 4 today, participants will gather at the IGO school um, and um, they will start marching at 3 p.m. And it's going to be led by the Foxborough Fire Department as they head up South Street. Oh my God, that is really great. I hope that they have lots of hot chocolate for the kids at the end because it's going to be cold. It is going to be cold. And then the uh, uh, the 29th annual Chartley Halloween Parade is uh, going to kick off tomorrow, October 30th. Rain or shine, it says. The parade begins at the Attleboro Line of 123 and continues to St. Mary's Church across the Norton Middle School. There will be live music, candy, and costumes featuring during the event. And it's sponsored by the Norton Park and Recreation Department. So um, I thought about this. This section of 123 will be closed until 2 p.m., so be mindful of that, okay? And uh, the Maryland Rotman Performing Arts Center off Foxborough will host a 
Halloween costume party uh, tomorrow. Um, this is going to be an interactive um, party, and I'm thinking, what? So it's going to be held at 2 p.m. It's going to be a high-energy energy show for young audiences. And um, I guess it's going to be for kids, by kids. There's going to be uh, professional musicians, teachers, and graduates of Berkeley College School of Music, okay? So, uh, yeah, and that's, that's pretty interesting. Huh, okay. And then um, we want to um, mention about the Atterborough Arts Museum Benefit Auction. And it's an in-person event on November 5th. But you can go up on their website and you can review all the items and everything. And, uh, yeah, so if you want to come on down, members are $35 in advance or $40 at the door. Non-members, you're going to be last minute, so I'm just going to say it's $50 at the door, okay? So, yeah, you come in, it's going to be a... Um, yeah, you can review. You can look at all of the items, and I'm looking at some of these paintings and artifacts and all these other wonderful things. And uh, yeah, you can put bids in and everything, or you can go visit um, the museum online. And if there's something that you like and you want to bid on it, you can do that too. Um, Central Congregation Church. Thank you, Kathy, for sending me this. They're calling this Christmas in Attleboro Falls, and that's next. Saturday. I can't believe I'm saying that, but it's November 5th, next Saturday, from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. So you can come on down, and they've got takeout food. Um, they have lots and lots of handcrafted knits, Christmas, and seasonal decorations, gifts for the holidays, homemade breads and fudge, and so much more. They have soups and sandwiches for sale, too. Oh, man, if that was today, I would love to have some soup and sandwich. It's a good kind of like tomato soup and grilled cheese kind of lunch. Mm, mm, mm. Now, listen to this. There's a bit of Sweden, a fall fair, that's also next Saturday from 9 to 1 at the Covenant Church on North Main Street in Attleboro. They have jewelry, holiday gifts, Swedish imports. I wonder if they have Swedish fish. Okay, I'm only kidding. Swedish foods, knitted items, and lots and lots of gift baskets. Oh, my God. Now, further down into the... Uh, <laughs> further down into the month of November, on November 19th, Mansfield Annual Snowflake Holiday Fair... And that's going to be held at the Mansfield Congregation Church. They're going to have lots of arts and crafts, grandma's attic, um, they say papa's garage, um, and so much more. So that's all they're saying. But it's, uh, <laughs> it's November 19th from 9 to 2 p.m. <clears throat> okay. Now, next Sunday, my good friends, <laughs> Doreen Collins and... Charlie Hall are going to be at 12 Acres in Smithfield, a really great venue. Um, my kids took me to a brunch, um, a Mother's Day brunch, uh, a few years ago, and it's really great. So Sunday, um, next Sunday at, at noontime, they're saying lunch is at 1230. The show follows. It's only $50 a person, and it's at 12 Acres in Smithfield. So you can go up online, and you can uh, check that out too. All right. And then let's see what else we got here. Ugh. There's so many things going on. I don't know if you have, um, oh, yeah. No, I'm not going to read that. That's too scary. It's too scary. I, I say it's too scary. Ugh. 
All right. Um, Attleboro Farms in North Attleboro has their annual holiday crafting market. That's way out in December. But they wanted me to mention it to you anyway. Saturday, December 17th. That's my last show from 10 to 4 p.m. Variety of quality handmade items just in time for the holidays, they're saying. And um, the Central Congregation Church again in Edinburgh Falls is having an apple pie day on Saturday, November 19th. They're saying please call to um, call your in for your orders, uh, 508-699-7700. And they're saying that pies are $15, but you got to call in before that. Okay, so Central Congregation Church on Commonwealth Avenue in Attleboro Falls is having an apple pie day Saturday, November 19th. All right, so you got to call in, and it's saying call in before the 10th of November to place your order. Now, these are unbaked pies, okay? 508-699-7700, all right? And that is that. Hi, Richard. Richard Lunt just came in. Now, we have many, many other um, craft fairs, starting with um, St. Teresa's of the Child of Jesus on Baltic Street in South Attleboro Holiday Fair from 9 to 4.30. Village Shop Handmade Baked Goods, handcrafted, oh, crocheted items, holiday boutique, and um, used books, jewelry, and country store, games of chance, and um, all these wonderful things. Wow. That looks like a really great time. And I'm going to keep mentioning all these things because guess what? Next week is the 5th of November. So, yeah, it's crazy. Anyway, I got to take a quick break. And on the flip side, I'm bringing in uh, Richard Lunt, who we are going to talk about all the questions that are going to be in our local election. And then follow with that is our state representative, Jim Hawkins, will be here at 8 o'clock. So stick around. Our number here is 508-222-1320. I'm Elaine LaRoche. And in the house, we have Richard Lunt when we return. Good morning, everyone. You're listening to Bruce Springsteen and myself, Elaine LaRoche. Our number here is 508-222-1320, and I have Richard Lunt here. Good morning, my friend. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. It, it's great to have Bruce and the band here. Huh? <laughs> I, I was talking to them uh, backstage. And oh, you were? Coffee and all that and donuts. And, yeah, I had met yeah. him three years ago when he played at Gillette Stadium, so I had a back. Uh, I had a press pass, and he said, yeah, really? he'd come anytime I wanted to, and I said, okay, fine. So, yeah, I'm glad that he... Brought the band down and everything. I had to put them out there in the green room, though, because okay, I wanted to talk room, to yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so today, my friend, we're going to be talking a little bit about all the questions before our guest, uh, Representative Hawkins, comes on. So why don't you go ahead and uh, run it down for us? Yeah, well, let's, let's uh, go over question one. Mm-hmm. And, and, that, and that's a serious question because a lot of it's like the millionaire's tax, they call it. Yeah, yeah. seems uh, to be. Do you really be. want millionaires to be taxed? Yes. A lot of people do, but then a lot of people don't. I mean, this is what the this is what the uh, no no on question one people is, are saying. It says Beacon Hill politicians already have billions in surplus money, but they still want to raise taxes on our on our homes and all that. And question one is just a tax on an annual salary. It's also taxes the sale of a home too. So right. question one is deceptive. It wouldn't just be a tax on an annual salary but it would be a tax on all earnings, including the one-time gains from the sale of a home or a small business. So Hmm. that's what the no on one 
one people are saying. Right, yeah. right. But um, they're saying that um, make sure the very richest of Massachusetts, um, who makes over a million dollars a year, pay their fair share. Current tax rules allow multimillionaires to pay the smallest share in taxes than the rest of us. Question one, the millionaire's tax will make that ex- the extremely wealthy pay an additional just 4% of the portion of their yearly income above $1 million. All right, what's question two? Okay, question two. <laughs> this, this has to do with uh, dental insurance, the de- dental costs at a time when many families are already struggling with a high cost of dental care. Question two could increase dental cost as much as 38% for families and businesses, and more people will stop going to the dentist if dental costs go any higher. So the, that's uh, that's um, thing, something to consider there. And that, and that uh, I mean, I get all these, like, no on question two, and these are, like, from the Committee to Protect Access to Quality Dental Care. They're, they're sending out ads. And the, the uh, political ads and the money being spent on flyers, it's, it's unbelievable. I agree with you. I think that um, Delta Dental, it was just saying that they made millions of dollars, but very few millions went to dental care itself. So, yeah, it seems to be. What is uh, what is question three about? So question three, mm-hmm. it's uh, unfair. It's like a, something, unfair advantages and hurts consumers. It's full of holes. That's what the no on people. <laughs> that's what the no on on question three. <laughs> they say it hurts consumers. It charge it changes the law to give advantages to companies that charge higher prices, and have uh, less selection and service. And they say that's a terrible idea. Why? Well, deep in the fine print, they say question three will reduce the number of licenses some family-owned businesses can hold by over twenty percent. These businesses are bedrocks of our communities, such as Attleboro and surrounding communities, and they pray they provide a great um, customer service value. So, question three: Why is why it's bad? It will double the licenses to large grocery chains, will at the chains, and, and while at the same time cutting the number of licenses certain family-owned businesses can hold. But they say it's it's a bad idea. Okay, I disagree only because it would increase the number of, of licenses to realtors. I mean, uh, retailers like uh, Cumberland Farms and other other um, convenience stores and things like that. I know working as a health agent for the city of Attleboro and North Attleboro for nine years. If you have if you're guaranteed you have a license with the state, it, they can't pull. They're not going to pull that. So that's a scare tactic to mom and pop stores. Um, and I hate the rhetoric of that. Yeah, uh, and, and, you know, that, and that, that's um, the thing. They, they it's, all, adding, it's all about rhetoric. It is rhetoric, know. and it's, it's fear-mongering, and I hate that. But the thing of it is, I mean, I dislike it. I'm sorry. Um, but I'm just saying, it says, like, a no vote would make no change in the laws governing the re- retail sale of alcohol beverages. Basically, what Cumberland Farms and the Alcohol um, Bureau, um, I mean, the, it's the Massachusetts Alcohol association is fighting Cumberland Farms. They're fighting because Cumberland Farms wants a uh, piece of the pie. Yeah, and they want the, like a con- conglomerate. You know, they, right. They, they, they want control. Right. Yeah. And the thing of it is, um, basically what they want is um, 
Cumberland Farms wants a chance to be competitive. And I think that that's really great. I know that when Walmart came in, there was a lot of hubbub because they have lower prices. Wouldn't it be great since we're going into this recession to have lower prices on alcohol, beer, and things like that? So I think that it's it's kind of like a good idea to uh, open it up and competitive, um, you know, competition is good. I think it's well, really I th- good. Well, I think uh, your competition is good, but mm-hmm. uh, we're going to think about uh, how it affects the local businesses, too. But um, it's not going to. But they say it's not going to. Oh, that's but what I'm saying, that yeah. it's not going to. And I think that, um, you know, people have to understand. I think people have to understand the issues and judge for themselves where they are. I think that that's important. I think that, I mean, we listen to all these political ads and it's getting more nasty. And it turns me off. I don't know about you. I mean, when you're seeing an ad, what's it, what but ad? It, but when it comes to rhetoric, I mean, th- mm-hmm. this one is high on the list of uh, rhetoric and fear, fear mongering. This, this, this right. It doesn't hurt. Three. It says, what does that say? Hurt customers? Yeah. It doesn't it hurt doesn't customers. customers. <laughs> Cuts family owned business. Businesses and stores, unfair advantages, bad deal. You know? <laughs> if you have a liquor license and you're doing the right thing, you're not going to have your license pulled. Right. You have to pay a lot of money to have a, a – locally, you have to have a permit to sell alcohol and beer and everything else. Then the state issues you a license, and it's not going to be pulled. It's like they're asking to open it up have more licenses available. Yeah, if there's that, a and that, thousand, that's they the, want another 500. And that's the advantage of voting yes on question one. To, it will you know, open up. Question three. Uh, question three, I'm right. sorry. That's yeah, okay. Question three, yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. It's like people have to read. That's that's the beauty of this this question is it opens up. The, the, the dialogue. The dialogue, mm-hmm. yeah, and it opens up uh, competition too. Exactly. Yeah. No, I think that it's that's just like it, the healthcare. I mean, uh, you know, purchasing healthcare cross party, uh, cross state lines. I mean, that opens up competition too. It does. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I think that more and more the ads, the Medicare ads, um, are very competitive. Yeah. They're very competitive, and it's good because it's good for the consumer, the the senior that's over sixty. You know, and I think it it benefits. You know, and I'm over sixty. I'll admit that. And I think that, you know, trying to shop for some really good deals, you have to be really, um, you have to be your own advocate. Mm-hmm. You really do. Sure, you but do. I, I know that um, when my mom was still alive and that, um, she used to go to the senior centers and they have a, a shine coordinator that would go through all the plans for them. And it's a great resource. So folks, if you're confused about which plan, if you're afraid to switch, um, we have a great Council on Aging here, you can go down and uh, ask them for the Shine Coordinator, and they'll set you up with an appointment, yeah, and they'll, you, they'll it will you ease out. your mind, and you have until, I think, December 3rd or 5th to decide, so mm-hmm. you got plenty of time. So, you, time. so you're talking about the, the ads on TV, so the, the biggest ads that, that are really negative is the Maura Healy, Jeff Deal, <laughs> and Jeff Deal comes out with... Uh, you know, um, Maura Healy, uh, she, she advocated for, you know, the burning of cities and towns during the, you know, the, the 2020 uh, <laughs> riots. And she Jesus. said, and her response was, that's how forests grow. Do you really want her as a governor? Oh, um, my God. That's ridiculous. And, the sa- and, and yeah. Maura Healy has been just as negative, too. Yeah. yeah. I have Rhode Island political ads, too, with Alan Fung and Seth Magazina. And then we have... Uh, Dan McKee 
and um, oh, I can't remember her name. She's blonde. She's uh, Cla uh, Klaus. She moved from California to Florida to wherever, and the ads are very creative. Oh, oh my yeah. God. They're getting very nasty, very and, creative. And a lot, a lot yeah. of these ads are from out-of-state yes. companies that, yes. that they, the campaigns. And sometimes the yes. campaigns don't even, they're not aware of that they're, they're Oh, you are, you're living but in a dream world if you think that they don't know what's or, going or, on. Or if they're aware, they, they just... They uh, do they, know. They, yeah. They, <laughs> Their campaign managers would not put anything out without that, let me tell you. So. But I've, I've seen instances yeah. where, um, I mean, locally, there, there was a couple of years ago, there was a state rep race, and then there was an outside um, agency that, or outside organization that uh, was um, sending out flyers. Yes. And... And yes. the campaign yes. didn't want that to happen. Right. They, they, they said no, don't don't do that. And mm -hmm. there was a big fight. And I was I was involved in, in that campaign, and I knew what was going on. And and you know, right. the the candidate at the time was was very adamant that uh, not to use that flyer. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Right. So it does happen. I got to take a break. On the flip side, we'll bring Representative. Uh, Jim Hawkins on and um, and then we can talk to him about his election and uh, his campaign and um, highlight some of the things that he's done and uh, some of the challenges that he'll face and if you have a question please 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 call 508-222-1320 the representative is in the house and we'll be right back after these messages <laughs> Oh, good morning, everyone. Oh, my goodness. It's an all-male panel here, except for me. I'm Elaine LaRoche. Our number here is 508-222-1320. Representative Jim Hawkins is in the house. I hope that you will call with questions. And over here, to my right across from me, is Richard Lunt. And we're going to talk to Representative Hawkins in the first half hour. We're giving him equal time about his campaign. So, Richard, go ahead and ask our representative some questions, and I have some, too. So we're glad to have you with us, uh, Representative Hawkins. Thank uh, you. How are you doing this morning? Oh, good, good. Good, good. Yeah, this is a brisk, brisk mo morning out It's nice that there. it's not raining. Uh, of course, yeah, yeah. definitely. So um, why do you want to get back into the saddle and um, run for re-election? What, what, uh, what keeps you motivated? It's, it's, um, it's a hard job to learn, and I, I feel like I've gotten to the point where I can get things done a lot easier than I could when I first ran. Yeah. Uh, I had the bill for Chapter 90 money for the city to change the acceptance of the unapproved roads, which increases the... Uh, the city had to work, has to maintain roads that are not approved, but they can't use Chapter 90 money for it. So this changed that. It approves the roads so they can. It adds miles to the calculation for the formula so they get more Chapter 90 money. And I did that. It was filed in March, and the governor signed it in September. I never could have done that the first year. Mm. I mean, we wrote the bill. I mean, we wrote the bill. Not a lobbyist wrote it. Not the city wrote it. We wrote the bill, and, and we filed it walked it through the system and got it done in September. I couldn't have done that when I first ran. I wouldn't have known how. I wouldn't have known how to write it. I know how to file it. That's just te that's just computer stuff. Yeah. But how to follow it through, who to talk to when it's in each committee, how to do that. Um, this would be a crazy time to leave. Yeah. I, mean, I, I feel much more effective now. And your, your experience has served you well. Yeah. Uh, the firefighters' um, protective gear bill uh, for the PFAS chemicals, uh, that's that the firefighters die of cancer two and a half times the rate of the normal population. Yeah. Average life expectancy is in 58 or 59 years old, something like that, for a very active job. That's not a sedentary job. 
And one of one of the contributors, not the only thing, is the the turnout gear that they use when it's made has the PFAS chemicals in it, the forever chemicals, which are known carcinogens. So this this deals with that to phase them out so in a couple of years they won't still be getting turnout gear that has the PFAS in it. That's in that's in the PFAS task force report and will be will be voted on favorably in the next session. It was a complicated bill. It didn't come out this session, but it will. I couldn't have been part of that. You know, now I am. Um, and I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm retired. I retired as a teacher in 2015. Yeah. So I don't do this because I've got to do it. I don't, I don't need the job. I could be doing something else, but I like it. I'm getting, th- I'm getting things. I'm able to help people. So you're, cons- you're, making, you're making a difference, definitely. Yeah, and, and, and the, the part community. you can't talk about is the constituent services. Somebody calls me, they're having trouble with unemployment, they're having, they're homeless or whatever, and I'm in a situation where I have the relationships that I can actually help people in that situation, mm-hmm. uh, and that's that's a feel good thing. I'm I'm not oh, I'm, I'm liking it. Yeah. I, I want to keep going with that. Yeah, that that's that's what motivates you there is making making a difference. It's yeah. it's not the working seven days a week. It's it's what. It's what you can do with this job. It's it's an unstructured job. You pick your own priorities. Uh, priorities for me, and some of this has already happened, is the homeless shelter. Uh, the homeless shelter is uh, 18 crisis beds, 22 permanent supported housing units, on-site services for literacy, addiction, mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, with the best in the business as providers, NeighborWorks is going to build it, maintain it. Uh, Catholic Charities will be the provider for the crisis beds. Uh, Father Bills will be the provider for the permanent supported housing units. And Father Bills has, NeighborWorks has done this for 25 years. Catholic Charities has done, they're all experienced providers. Father Bills does this in Brockton, and the people that go into the permanent supported housing unit could stay there for life, but they don't. They stay for two, two and a half years, and they're ready to move on and be self-sufficient. I, I, you know, the question is, what should I do next? We've got people in the manufactured, the mobile home parks who are, at risk when they get bought out by these big uh, corporations and they raise the rent and they change the leases and make it unaffordable for them. Um, somebody on a $1,500 a month social security check all of a sudden getting a $500 increase in rent, that sort of thing. Yeah. And we have, we have written with the help of House Counsel, with Attorney General, legislation that will actually help them. But like, I gotta be there. To, to, to do, do that, it, to yeah, do the work, it was sure. it was so complicated because there is no rent control since the ballot question. That's not not acceptable. It can't be rent controlled. But there is some there. There are ways that these these tenants can be protected under existing Massachusetts state law, and that was a very tricky bill to write. And we got it. We're ready to go. We got a lot of support with it, and I want to be there to do that. And one of your other biggest uh, accomplishments uh, in in your tenure so far as state representative is the South Attleboro train oh station. That has been, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm I'm not they they. That started out that was that was a success in the first six months. It was past tense. Uh, I was on the bonding committee, so this would have been in 2019 because I wasn't I was I wanted a special, so I wasn't on a committee my first half term, the second term I was on bonding. And when you're on the committee, the on the bonding committee, the different departments have to come in and justify what they're doing for capital expenses, bonding expenses. So uh, MassDOT was on with Secretary Pollock, and we get on the committee, we get to ask them questions. And I said, what are you doing about South Attleboro? And I'd heard about it. Uh, people had written me about it. We'd sent in delegation letters from me and Betty Poirier and Senator Feeney, 
um, Stephen Howard. They all signed it. And it nothing happened. I didn't really think anything would. And she said, well, we're going to do ground-level renovations. I said, you're not going to do anything with that overpass? And she said, no. I said, have you ever been there? And she said, no. So I said, let me send you some pictures tomorrow. I'll stop on my way into Boston. And I went from then on, I went into every FMCB board meeting. I went to every Rail Vision meeting. I went to every meeting that they had that was public. Uh, and they knew me when I walked in, I mean, in a friendly way. I wasn't nasty with them. But every time I went there, South Attleboro Train Station, South Attleboro Train Station. And this, the hearing was in July. By December, they had agreed to do it. Uh, I had a commitment from General Manager Poftak that they were actually going to do this and they were going to start making the plans. Well, that's all cool until the pandemic when ridership was down to 8%. Mm, uh, and yeah. they couldn't support the, the keeping the trains running, and they have to keep the trains running. So they shifted all the funds from capital improvements to service. There goes the train station. They're not, that's not even talking about it now. So earlier this year, in 2022, they come out. Now they're starting back with their, with their construction projects and the, and the capital improvement plan. The CIP came out, and it's not on there. What? what? Yeah. What? Yeah. The, I, I was baffled by that when I when what? I heard that. Yeah. So I got everybody. I, I got uh, Congressman Auchincloss, Senator Feeney, all the delegations, city council, police. Uh, I, I got I got the, the Sun Chronicle was just amazing in their support of this. I had to get sixty. I oh I got CC'd on at least sixty or seventy letters that people wrote in. And it's still not on the CIP. <laughs> <laughs> I'll play the. I know you're on the Republican side, but uh, Mara Healy is a pretty strong candidate for governor. She came out for her her press release or what, whatever her kick campaign kickoff. I said, well, if you're going to come to Attleboro, you, if you want to win friends in Attleboro, you got to do it at the South Attleboro train station. So she came with all the Boston news media outlets and everything. A week later, there's a there's a press release from MBTA. They're starting on the project. I'm a cynic. That means they're tearing down the old one. Which is a helpful, which is a positive thing because when they do the construction, they won't have to deal with the old structure; it'll already be gone. Yeah, and, and that but, was a but, hazard but, in itself. I mean, oh, I, mean, I know. My God. So I'm I'm with Senator Feeney on national, not on national, on live TV. I didn't mean to say national, live television. Uh, and you know, how, you, you've seen him speak. He's got his arms going and mm -hmm. everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, live television. He just touched the stairs. And the big chunk of metal fell down. You can't you can't make this stuff up. <laughs> right. <laughs> so the design the design is good. They've done the, that was like a six. Or, the design is six or seven million dollars, uh, and it's a glass enclosed overpass. Uh, it's three elevators, one in the parking lot, one on either side of the tracks. It's full length, high rise platforms. Um, that means that when the I'm, I'm trying to gesture, but I can't because we're on radio. Right. Uh, when the platform is the same height as the train deck, people get on and off faster. So if that saves four or five minutes. At every stop going into Boston, they all have high-rise platforms. It'll cut the commute time down by half an hour. Gatra drops their passengers off in front of Market Basket, which creates chaos with traffic. Ripta drops their passengers off by the mobile station, which creates chaos with traffic. So they move both of those over to the train platform. Now Rhode Island Regional Transit connects with Massachusetts Regional Transit with commuter rail all in the same spot and relieves a lot of traffic. Yeah, and it also but, and, you know, involves but, wor working with your colleagues in in Rhode Island too, because they they have a they they, they that's have not a, really a competition because that's competition. a much smaller. It's not easy to get to, and it's not in a nice neighborhood. Yeah, so it's good for them. But the South Attleboro station has four ramps coming off the highway, so okay. you can get to it without going on any city streets or turning left across traffic. 
Yeah, because it's a direct route right off of the highway. Yes, yeah, yeah. yes. Yeah. Uh, there's also some talk that John Case, uh, this is, I'm frustrated with MBTA, has a lot on the inbound side, which would add 200 spaces, and there's nothing there now. There's no houses. It's just empty. It's prepared as a parking lot. Mm-hmm. And that would give people access from Seekonk, Rehoboth, uh, that part of Pawtucket, oh, without right. without going across that bridge on Newport Avenue. Yeah. So, so that, those are big wins. So that, that I mean, well, it took, it took, it took, it took, it took. I'll credit Betty. Your Republicans, I'll say this to you: is it took Betty Poirier, who's been doing this for twenty years, to say this is the person that you should be working with. Uh, you should talk to this person. You should talk to that person. I wouldn't have known without that kind of support. I wouldn't have known. Yeah. yeah. And, and now I'm I'm in the middle of this discussion, and I'm a cynic. They said that they're going to start on it. That means they're going to tear this down. It's October 28th, there's nothing happened yet. Mm. So I got, and, and this is perhaps knowing the system a little bit better, I got $8 million towards the project in the transportation bond bill. Normally we don't fund in the legislature individual projects. We give MBTA plenty of money in their own to do projects. Um, I know that GATRA just got $7 million towards the uh, ground level part of it. Uh, I got language in the budget and the budget is not about capital spending. The bu- budget about is about revenue, not not for construction projects. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got, but I got language in there, and this was at their suggestion. They're on my side. Uh, deadline that they have to have this funded by December this year. But that was not my idea. That was the idea of leadership. This I said, what can we do about this? I've got this problem in my district with this train station. That's all we know about them. This is this is what we can put in the budget, and they did, and it went through like that yeah all right guys i gotta stop because we gotta take a break and on the flip side we have more with representative hawkins our number here is 508-222-1320 we'll be right back after these messages good morning everyone you're listening to out and about with elaine and in studio wow what a great morning we have but i wanted to tell you our number here is 508-222-1320 we have representative jim hawkins here and richard lunt our former news director is asking questions we only have a few more minutes before we wrap up this segment before we go into legislative updates um, in the second half hour so please 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 call in at 508 Eight two 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 thirteen twenty. All right, Richard, take it away. So let's talk about question four, and this yeah. is a big hot topic in in Massachusetts. And uh, yourself and Senator Feeney voted in favor of question four. And then the negative part of question four is, oh, the the giving drivers free drivers license to illegals. Is that really the case, or no. what, what is behind? No, it's not all free. Oh, they pay. They'll pay for these. Trust me. Um, no, this is a safety issue. Mm-hmm. And um, the woman who's running this campaign, her son was killed by an un- unlicensed driver, I think. Yeah. And if this law had passed, that might not have happened because the driver would have had a license, would have had driver training, would have done all that, would have had insurance on his car, everything. So what this does, and it's supported by most of the, pol- the police chiefs don't have one association across the state, but most of the police chief associations support this because it makes it safer for their officers when they do a traffic stop. It's as much as eliminated uh, hit-and-run accidents in other states that have already done this. This is not a free license. The documentation that's required is significant. A lot of people still won't be able to get, get this license if they don't have the appropriate documentation. There was a lot, of, a lot, a lot of research on this done before we voted on it in the House. Uh, this ballot question is to undo the bill that we passed. So 
people are on the road, myself, I'd like to know that the person going the other way has knows the rules of the road, has been trained in how to drive, has insurance on his car, and this is what that provides. It doesn't give any, it does not give, I mean, some of the negatives that I've heard is that they're going to vote, they can't vote. 16-year-olds have licenses, too. They can't vote. It doesn't open up the door to them voting. It doesn't let them into federal buildings. It doesn't get them on airplanes. It doesn't do any of those things. All it does is require that if they're driving a car on our streets, that they have a license, that they pass the driving test, they pass the written test, mm-hmm. and they have insurance on their car. Um, it's a sa- it's a safety issue. It's a safety it, issue. It doesn't it, it doesn't open any doors to any other access to voting or federal buildings or anything and, like and that. And that, that's the it's rhetoric clearly. Here. It's it, clearly yeah. the the license doesn't look the same. It it's not it's not it doesn't open your door to anything like that. Yeah, and and the thing is, you know, sometimes I have a big problem with when they when they the rhetoric and and they they make changing trying to influence people's minds and how to vote and that and that. Well, that's that's a c- kind of a problem with ballot questions. I mean, we had a lot of back and forth. I mean, we had the same discussion in the House and in, in, in the Senate too. Uh, is is the people are afraid that it's immigration laws are federal? We're not opening the doors to immigrants in the community at all. Right. Uh, we're not doing any of those things. It's a safety thing. But there was the pushback. What are the documents that are required? Is it, is this too easy for them? Is it too hard for them? Uh, from both sides, it was hashed out for a long time like more than one session. Uh, it was in the last session, too, and didn't come up for a vote because they weren't ready. They couldn't agree on how to do it. Uh, and we've been through all the nuts and bolts, the details of it, to make sure it's fair. It accomplishes what it's supposed to accomplish, which is to get rid of hit-and-run accidents, to get rid of unlicensed drive, unlicensed, uninsured drivers on the road. Mm-hmm. And did you get the Republican support from this, from your colleagues in the legislature, um, as far as... Um, you know, some approval of this bill. Some or was it or was it some really, some some yeah, but some, not some, all. Not all. No. Yeah. But um, yeah, it, that, it was it wasn't totally along party lines though. No. Yeah, and, and that that's why there's, and then that that's why the, there's, this question is on the ballot is because, you know, the people on the negative side wanted this on the ballot, and now it's going to the to the voters. And right. What what have you heard when you're going door to door? from people regarding this issue? I haven't. Nobody's, haven't. nobody's brought it up. Yeah. Other, uh, what about have other you ever gone door-to-door? I have with, and, with and what, uh, different what, candidates, and they talk about the local issue, I mean, like city councilors, and they talk about... Well, that's that's what I hear is about what's happening with the train station. That's the biggest <laughs> thing. Yeah. What's happening with that train station? What's happening with the exit by the Shell Station, 123 and 95? That's what the discussion. Right. They don't talk ideology or anything like that. I yeah. I don't think I've ever. I don't know how many doors I've been to. I don't think I've ever had a discussion. I mean, I'm, I'm I'd like to have that discussion, but that's not what people are asking me about. That that's uh, that, well, that's actually a good good thing because they people are invested in the local local issues instead of the the big uh, hot button issues and and yeah. you know, the red the rhetoric so to speak. Yeah, it's going to be interesting if question four passes. Then, then what, what do you do? Would you go back? Would you go back and, and try and file another bill? And I didn't file that bill. I don't know. Um, I'd be speaking for my colleagues. I didn't file it not because I don't didn't like it. It just wasn't the bill that I filed. Um, so I don't know. Well, would the, you, the, would you there were there was a group that was serious serious advocates for it. And what would they do next? I can't speak for them. Yeah. How, do, how do I word that right? It isn't that I don't care about it. Uh, one, one one of the 
one of the daunting things when you run for state rep, particularly the first time, is you're supposed to be knowledgeable in this whole spectrum of things. And, and, and I, can, I can say this now, the one that I was afraid of was transportation. So I know that I know the transportation is a problem. The highways are clogged and the train stations are a mess. And if anybody asks me what I'm going to do about that, I'm going to blah, 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 blah. I, I, don't, I don't know what to do. Yeah. And I do now. I do now. But that, that carries on to a lot of other issues. But I, I can't champion every issue. So, so in that case, I supported it, but I, I wasn't the driving force behind it. Right. Okay, good. But the, and, and the thing is to what you just said about question four, um, I feel better about uh, you know, with the question four where where it, it's a safety issue, it's not uh, oh, it doesn't a change. free free thing. You no, know, it's not. Oh, my, uh, the, registr the registry yeah. charges for their services, and they should charge. They should. It's going to be more difficult than a regular license because it is requiring documents that come from outside the country, um, or inside the country. I, uh, the list the list was pretty specific, but it's going to be a difficult. It, it's going to be uh, a bigger challenge for them than a, than a normal person coming in for a license, and they should charge for that. Mm -hmm. And they, I'm certain they will. Uh, I believe they're ramping up for it now, assuming that this ballot question doesn't. If this ballot question makes it, they won't have to. But if it doesn't make it, uh, I think it starts in next spring. Am I right? Yeah. So, so they need to be ready to do this and and figure so out. They the appropriate have to act, act quickly. Yeah. Well, no, they've or known about it since we passed it a few months ago. But they're preparing for it in case they have to do it. Right. And, and you just uh, swayed my vote to. Um, for you know, oh against question four because <laughs> I, I I had some concerns <laughs> and that you you allayed those concerns. So I thank you very much for that. Oh, thank yeah. thank you for I I think I've done what you just did is that I, I'm trying very hard to listen to the other side. I I think before I ever ran for office, I was in a bubble thinking only over here with this part of my brain, but there's some logic to what's happening over here, and I need to be aware of that. And it certainly changed my way of doing things. Yeah, and and I just realized that we're on radio, so people can't see what I just did with my hands. I know I'm 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 doing the same thing. Here. <laughs> we we have uh, one minute uh, to um, wrap up. Uh, anything else you want to talk about with the campaign? How how's it go? How are you feeling about the the campaign in general? Well, I I kind of have an advantage in that when the first time I ran, I had to win four elections in a row in an eight month period. So uh, I've kind of got my head on straight as to where I need to spend my time, what I got to do. Uh, I started as soon as I knew I had an opponent uh, preparing for this, both in terms of getting endorsements. I think I would get 20 or 25 endorsements, but I did that in the spring. I did all that legwork in the spring. The signs, I did, I did the locations way in advance. Now I'm knocking on doors. I've got volunteers doing phone banks, people who like to make phone calls. Oh, I remember those days when working on the state rep. Campaign. Yeah, so I'm, I'm feeling kind of in control, like this is going well. Uh, I... I like doing doors. I enjoy that. So, um, um, thank you. Yeah, I used to pass out flyers too on, on, on door to doors. And we have, we used to have like a flyer like with can different candidates on our on the uh, Republican side. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. And we used to do that uh, on Saturdays in October. And yeah, yeah. It's so yeah. great. Yeah. Oh. But uh, yeah, th thank so you for uh, this. talking with us about the, the campaigns. Good, and we wish you luck. Well, on thank that. Th well, thank you, um, thank you for what you're doing as well. Um, My pleasure. Yeah. We 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 need to have your voice out here as well. So thank you for being part of this. Thank you. And we're going to take a break. We are going to take a All break. Right, yes, let's do that. You're listening to Out and About the Lane. We still have a lot more with Representative Hawkins when we return.
So we'll pay back. Oh, my God. I'm having so much fun this morning. I'm really going to miss Representative Hawkins coming on. Oh, my God, with his legislative updates. And that's what we're going to talk about in just a minute. But I wanted to go over a few out and abouts before I bring him back on again. So um, I know that you're all interested in winning the uh, Powerball. But you know what? I got my dad's numbers. So sorry, don't even bother playing. But it's $825 million projected. And if you want to do the cash payout, this is what it is. $410 million. Ooh, talk about a tax bill. Unreal. Um, but I do want to wish you good luck. And uh, Mass Daily number is 2771. Rhode Island Daily number is 7996. Mass Cash, 681520. No, it isn't. Sorry, I'm backing that up because everybody's looking at me in the studio. Mass Cash, 6815. 1835, the Mega Millions. I don't know anybody who's ever won this, but uh, here we go. Four, 1831, 53, 69. The plier is two and the Mega Ball is seven. And lucky for life, if you win this, you will be lucky for life. 14, 18, 22, 37, 43, and 13. I have to tell you that the sunset time today is 5.43 p.m. I know it's before 6 p.m. Winter is coming. Uh, the weather is going to be really, really nice, but you do need a jacket today. High is 61. Low is going to be down to 33 tonight. So it's time to turn on the heat, guys. Sorry about that. But Sunday, oh, my God, it's going to be really, really great. Uh, high is 64, low 41. Monday, happy Halloween, everyone. Don't forget, it's Halloween. High 66, low 49, but there might be an 80% chance of a shower on Monday evening. Tuesday, partly sunny, 44% showers? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see about that, but it's 68 degrees on Tuesday. So um, Wednesday's going to be a beach day, beautiful day. High 68, might even hit 70, and the low is 45. But I was looking at the weather for next weekend, and it looks like... um, from Sunday on, the lows are going to be in the 30s. So, you know, the heating fuel costs that we were talking about earlier, you know, is a reality, I'm afraid. All right, so I'm going to switch gears now when I wanted to um, talk to Rep Hawkins about some legislative updates because uh, Richard did a great job about talking to him about his goals uh, to continuing his success as state representative. But we want to find out what's going on as far as um, what's going on as far as the uh, the train station you were talking about. Are they going to do the demolition in December like they were projected last time we talked or? Last last I talked to them, which was Monday. Yes. I'm 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 a cynic. Sorry. <laughs> I'm a cynic. I'm uh, a positive person. I'm saying, oh, so, all right. So this we've is we've great. got significant funding for it. Okay. And that's part of it is the demolition of the old structure, which is unsafe. That well, you don't like to even stand underneath it. Something might fall and hit you on the head. Um, if you touch it, you might get I don't know what you would get. Um, tetanus, I guess. But. Um, <laughs> Yes, you would. And so the, all, all the things are lining up for this to move quickly as it can. Uh, the design is modular, so then they do construct it. It'll go up quicker. Way back in the first iteration when they were using the stair, the overpass was still open. And what scares me is they didn't close it because of those stairs. They closed it because there was a crack in the beam. 
going across the tracks. They were still going to use what? it. What? Are you stairs. kidding? I can't make this up. Sorry. I mean, I've gone up those stairs, and it is a big <laughs> crack in those <laughs> stairs. To go wow. back to, to back to being positive as to where this can go, and and I'm just a thorn in their side. Um, I was so nice until it didn't show up on the CIP, and I've been all over them ever since. Um, it's modular design, so they can erect it quicker. Uh, or the original design, they were going to try to keep the station open. They would close half of it while they put up the new overpass and then take down the old overpass, so it would have been half and half. So the actual construction, and I'm making this up, but just for example, if it was going to take three years to build, now it would only take a year to build. That's when they start, though. they got to start. they got to start. <laughs> that's that's what uh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't. I, I should I'm, it's gonna it's gonna change the way we use the train station. There's a walkway so people who bought houses. How many people have told me they bought houses near there so they could walk to the train station and it's not there? Mm. We've got that 350 units going in where Atlantic Golf used to be, which is designed to be near the train station. Mastod is is replacing the sidewalk between Peters and Zor, which is for the train station, and it's not there. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Uh, no, that's but, okay. But at, at, any, at any rate, all this will come together to change the way we use the train station. If it's now only a half-hour commute to Boston, uh, one of the things that makes this difficult is the catenary because Amtrak and the Acela go through there. But that catenary also means that we'll be one of the first two lines to get electric trains. Hyde Park also has that. Mm-hmm. And with the electric trains, not when, the, when there's not a locomotive pulling it when the motors are right in the, the, the passenger car itself, it turns around quicker, it accelerates quicker. It would mean, according to the advocates, it would mean that trains could be leaving Attleboro every 15 minutes. No schedule, just every 15 minutes train wow. leaving Attleboro, a half-hour ride to Boston. So that's where we're going with this. The future is really exciting. Sure. Um, my frustration is it needs to be happening now. Right. Not not five years from now. Do they project, like once it starts, a projection of how many years it might take to have it completed? Well, once it's approved which hopefully is soon. I think it takes six months to send out to bid, six months to uh, get the materials together, um, a year, year and a half for construction. I, th- I think what we're going to see, and, and I'm just projecting because there's going to be some changes for MBTA, and mm-hmm. I've, I've listened to all the hearings, all the oversight hearings, is DPU monitoring it for safety appropriately, or, uh, how are they getting into trouble in all these construction projects. Why when, we're trans- why, when we're changing over to electric trains, are they building South Coast Rail as diesel? Um, I think what you're going to see is a different way of managing MBTA. Uh, if you look at, it, at another division that does stuff like that would be MassDOT, and they have no trouble with their construction projects. They're on time, on budget. So I, I think there's going to be some changes. I, I wouldn't want to hazard what this is going to look like. We used to have a turnpike authority, and that's not there anymore. And the turnpike... It works fine without the Turnpike Authority. So I, I wouldn't want to hazard where this will go, but that's the discussion. So I think in 2023 we'll see some changes which will be an advantage for mm-hmm. this for this to go forward. And I think there's some recognition. It seems like all the focus has been on the subway downtown. Yes. You know, and we're part of the system too. Yes. It can't be just an urban issue. We're, we're part of that. The people who live in Attleboro work in Boston, and they rely on this. And North Attleboro, too. I mean, I think about Attleboro because that's the district I represent. Mm-hmm. But, boy, have I heard this from North Attleboro because they don't want to go through all this, the left turns and stuff to go to downtown. That's a straight shot for people from North Attleboro to go to South Attleboro train station. Mm-hmm. And they don't have that now. 
Sorry. You, you, I would just stay here talking about train station if you let me. Go um, ahead. <laughs> uh, no, I think it's important because there's so many people take the train into Boston. I myself personally have doctors up in Boston. And when the orange oh, line was down, and it's, it's forget not, about it's it. N- it's not all people who were working from home either. A lot of people go up there to work in the hospitals and the medicals. And Correct. The, and they're not, they don't have the option of working from home. They still need that train. Right. And, and the MBTA said, well, people are working from home now because they, they, can, they can work remotely. And yes, so a lot of the people are white-collar workers who can work from home two, three days a week. But how many more people in that category live in the city now? How mm-hmm. many houses went up? These big houses that are selling for seven, dollars $800,000, those aren't people that are working in big box stores on Route 1. Those are people who are who are still at least two or three days a week going into Boston or partway along the line, they need mm-hmm. the train. Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. Sorry. No, but, that's um, true. And college students, too. I know my grandson uh, commutes back and forth to Berkeley School of Music. Yeah. Only because he missed a, a deadline that said, are you available for housing? He deleted that email. So now my daughter said, we don't have housing. So the semester. So he's riding the train yep. every single day. Yep. And uh, But yeah, I mean, it's a great service. I love the fact that it would take like 45 minutes. I mean, less than 45 minutes to an hour to get there. I mean, once you well, get they, the they have, trains, it it's going to be phenomenal. Only Attleboro's got high-rise platforms, and downtown needs it too. The right. station right here needs it. That doesn't have high-rise. There's one mini platform, what is it, like 10 feet long? Oh, that doesn't, yeah. right. That doesn't help people right. get on. That's that's good for some. And it's, mm. it's, it's not really close for somebody that is in a wheelchair or something. It's not that close. That needs to be done over. Uh, and I don't know. Man's, you think that man, might be a next project for you? Um. He, don't ask me what's next because this one's not done yet. Correct. So I can't I can't okay. think about that. But you're in in terms of the uh, high rise platforms. I think Mansfield's got some issues too that's not completed. And I I don't know that it's complete up and down the line, but it, it's that's the way it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Good. I mean, I think that you've opened up the floodgates as far as of improvements. Like so many years, I mean, everybody's been doing the same thing, riding the same train, riding the same rail. I feel like I can't ask for ten things. I get nothing. So I'm focused on South no, Avenue train I station. No, I love the fact that you're doing that. And I'm just yeah. the one thing. That's that's what I want to get. That's all people know me about in, in, at MBTA is South Attleboro, South Attleboro, South Attleboro. Yeah, I think there's issues downtown, too. There's a historic canopy that's falling down. Uh, there's the mini, mini high-rise. Come on. That doesn't... That doesn't do anything. The, the concrete next to that yellow, and I'm using my hands. I forget I'm on radio. That yellow, <laughs> that yellow barrier, safety barrier next to that concrete is crumbling. I mean, there's... Yeah. There's, there's yeah, I've seen, the, I've seen that when I've I, gone into Boston. I think and, somebody yeah. fell off that a couple of years ago, too. I mean, that... Oh, boy. But yeah. South Adelboro, I know about yes. that. I'm, it's not like that's not on my radar, but I'm focusing on the one thing. No, the overpass, like people will still be able to park... Go up and over and down. In Is South, that correct? In South, in South Adelboro, yes, it'll be glass enclosed now, so it, oh. won't, it won't rust like the other one did in the bad weather because the wind whips across the highway in that parking lot. It'll be enclosed. It'll have three elevators: one in the parking lot, one on the in- wow. outbound side, which is closest, and one on the inbound side, which is yep. the other side. It'll be elevated. Wow, that's so major Similar to what they have in, yeah. in De- Dedham Station, where they have the enclosed, but this is a smaller version of what, what yeah. they have in Dedham. I think so. I haven't seen Dedham, but I think I think the, it, in the back of my mind, I think you're right. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Mm. We're going to take a break, our last break, but if we still have time for um, a call in. 
please call in 508-222-1320 on the flip side we still have representative hawkins in the house richard lunt and myself so stick around we still have a lot more actually we only have a few more minutes of a show so we will be right back after these messages Good morning, everyone. You're listening to Out and About with Elaine, and in studio I have Representative Hawkins. So, um, hi, Representative Hawkins. Good morning. So I have, and I don't know how to do this on radio because you can't see what I'm getting I you. I know. We've got a picture of it. <laughs> let me, let me. Yes. <laughs> Guys, I know it's radio. <laughs> All right, we got to go back. Yeah, we got we got more than one picture of this. This is this is a citation, and I will read it, which I don't normally do because people can't see it because we're on radio. Is the Commonwealth of Massachusetts House of Representatives, be it hereby known to all that the Massachusetts House of Representatives offers its sincerest congratulations to Elaine LaRoche in recognition of a de- decade of dedication, information, good conversation, and pure joy. The entire membership extends its very best wishes and expresses hope for future good fortune and continued success in all endeavors on this 29th day of October 2022, signed by Ron Mariano, Speaker of the House, and me, Jim Hawkins, State Representative for Attleboro. And this is also, unlike the way we've always done these in the past, this is actually hand done with calligraphy. This is not... Oh, my God. Not, it, not, a, not a fancy printer. Thank you so much. Thank and you so you, much. Oh, I have wow. so enjoyed going on your show so many times. Uh, and and you, you know, you, we, we worry about the demise of um, local media. And WARA and your part of this does an amazing job to keep people, give people access to People who are influential, I, I, I shouldn't promote myself like that, but people who do things in the community uh, and things going on in the community. And you've been a big part of that. Your, your personality mm-hmm. just shows through, and people come in, and, and they talk freely about what's going on, in your, and people can call in. Mm-hmm. And I can't imagine you getting up this early to work every Saturday morning for years after years after years and, and somehow getting people to come in. You've you you've turned yourself inside out, and you've done an amazing job. And thank you for all your service. Oh, you're very welcome. I really loved it. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for the citation. Thank you for your commitment to coming in. Because I know it's not easy coming in every single Saturday when I ask you to do this, and you do. You come in, and it's just really wonderful to uh, have you here. And I do appreciate you. You add so much to my show, and uh, and you're an important part of our show. You're this regular. Was, was you're a, one of our wait, regulars. But this, was, but this was about you, not me. All this right. This is about you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I, I, lo- I love the praise. I, I, I do have an ego that loves to be fettered, but this is about you and, and the oh, work that you've you. done for so many years. Thanks. This is, this is, I don't take, and, and you were part of this too at, at one point too, mm-hmm. I don't take this to be an easy job at all. It, it takes a commitment. Like um, I was telling folks that I... I'll get my son, uh, my Friday nights back. Um, I read six newspapers a week, and I, I think you planned yeah. this before Friday night. I don't think this is a last minute. No, I have no. No. thought about uh, this for the last six months. And, I, th- uh, I think yeah. ev- every week, though, you're not just calling people Friday night when you come on my show. You, oh you know, no, 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 a no, lot, no. A lot of preparation. Yeah, so I've got, to, I've got all, every guest to make a presentation. The, uh, every December seventeenth. Yeah. yeah, I've got everybody, and yeah. it was a pleasure too because I always wanted to give you a heads up, and Tara, thank you so much because I work with Tara and she is amazing. So uh, and getting you're on you the here. radio, so you don't know that Tara's sitting here. Also, Tara is my legislative director, and our office with two people. Uh, we get a lot done, and that's 
partly because she does the lion's share of the work. <laughs> <laughs> that is for sure. Um, you wanted to talk a little bit about MCAS. Do yes. we have time? We have like about I can, I three can, minutes, I can go minutes? quicker than the train station. Okay. Ready, I, set. I'll, I will do my best. Uh, I retired from Attleboro High School as a 10th grade math teacher, and MCAS, when I was there, would have 10th grade math would happen in under with my classes. It was a three-hour test on Monday, three-hour test on Tuesday, and a two-hour test on Wednesday. That's just the math, which disrupts the whole school. As a 15-year-old taking eight, an eight-hour multiple-choice test, you've got to be kidding me. Wow. This is insane stuff. Mm. So what's happening now, and I'll try to go quickly, is it's called MCIEA, Massachusetts Consortium for Innovative Education Assessment. And I am so proud. Attleboro is one of eight school districts out of 350 who are working on this project. It's teachers' unions working together with school committees and administrators, the three groups that don't normally get along so well, to come up with a new way of doing standardized testing. People think that we're trying to get rid of MCAS. That's not true. We need standardized testing. I teach different than the teacher in the room next to me. Adderall teaches different than Seekonk. We need standardized testing, but it does not need to be so expensive. We spent $34 million a year to Pearson Corporation. It does not need to be so expensive. It can be done in-house. Uh, what this plan will be instead of, when I, was a, when I took the teacher training, the thing they taught us is that multiple choice tests are the worst measure of student success. And that's basically what MCAS is, is a multiple choice test. Mm -hmm. So this would replace it with a performance-based test, which would be group work and projects. Kids aren't stressed by it. Kids show everything they know. They don't have to just pick the right answer. I'm sorry I'm on radio. I can't remember. You can't see what I'm doing with my hands. <laughs> uh, they, they, they can show what they know. They enjoy this test. They work together. Uh, it gives a much fuller description of what the student has learned. I have funded this on the House side. It, it, it has to go to the House and the Senate. On the House side, every year since I've been in office, mm -hmm. last year we filed it. It's, it's ready to use. The trick is how do you measure this? So it's a, it's a standardized measure between, between teachers, between students, between school districts. Mm -hmm. And that work has been done. It's taken a lot of work. But it's designed... Instead of in the cubicles of Pearson Corporation where people have never been in the classroom are deciding how this should work, this is designed in the classroom with real students, and the students love it too. Um, so I'm feeling confident that we can, we could, I filed it last session, but people hear what they hear. They think, well, oh, you're getting rid of MCAS. No, we need MCAS. And the answer is yes, we do. We do, but it could be a fairer test. It could be a less expensive test. It could be a less stressful test. Some students... High-achieving students that get all stressed about their MCAT score, they got to get a 650 on MCAT. No, it shouldn't be that way. Mm. It, sh it should show what they know. And the other thing is because it's, it's more process-oriented, it gives a better description of the schools. Instead of saying you got to raise from, from 600 to 605 or whatever, whatever the data point is, it gives measurable things, what, what a school can do to improve their performance. It's much more useful measure of schools, a description of schools, and what they can do. Uh, so I'm uh, the presentation. I need to I need to do this. I'm trying to do it differently because we listen to and in, in the legislature we listen to lobbyists all day long. We listen to each other all day long, and mm -hmm. we talk, 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 talk. So the presentations I've made so far, and I'm going to continue this, and it's a lot of work. The presentation is. There's an academic who works with MCIEA who will describe in academic terms what, what's happening with this, how it's measuring, what, what it's measuring. Uh, Superintendent Sawyer, uh, somebody from school committee. Mm -hmm. uh, I've got a couple teachers. I've got a student. Students love this. They love this. 
But to get all those people together, because our stuff is is in the middle of the day during the school day. Oh, right. It, it, right. it, it is a trick. It's not not a trick to get people that want to talk about it. And, and, and I taught at Attleboro, so I, I, I don't have to ask twice. Everybody everybody wants to talk about this. They're so excited about it. Mm-hmm. It's such an improvement over what we do. Sure, sure. So that is, and I'm looking at the clock. No, you're good. you got uh, another minute. Oh, my God. <laughs> there you go. I, 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 and, uh, that's going to be one of my priorities for, for, for next year. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. Now, if it's passed and it's implemented, would it be like the following school year? Does it take, or does yeah, it take time? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's different across the grade levels, too, because uh, oh. the tests are shorter. Oh, good. Right now, we have four grades in our middle schools. So in the month of May, mm-hmm. in the month of May, every day is used for standardized testing of one form or another. Every day. Oh, it's, my well, tell, me, tell me that's not taking away from the kids' learning. And when we do this in the school, it's, it's the three, uh, three days with the long hours mm-hmm. for math, but that's also for ELA and science. That's such a disruption. Sure. I, I, that's, 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 th- those days should be used for learning, not for testing or the testing should be less intrusive than that right i agree oh good luck that's great i get i get wind up about that too no no, no, no and should, great. should it be like that's more great. situational judgment testing on, on the part of the students and st- like the in terms of the question should they should they be more situational what would you do in this this situation versus this situation and yes yeah. yes yes yeah and, the reason and, why and i'm asked i asked that because I'm, I'm studying for the sherm cp which is a Human Resources Certification, yep. Professional Certification, and they use situational judgment testing on, on, on their exams. And it would be something like that, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. It would, be, it would be a mix, though. It's group work and projects, so it would, it, that would be part of it, yes. Yeah, well, that, that's great. That's a great way I of I mean, they've spent, like, they've spent years working on this. This isn't just some off-the-cuff idea. This is, this is very well developed. Oh, it, it's great. And the measurement is, is, is part of the problem, too, Me- because you still, need to, you still need to be identify subgroups that are underperforming. Mm-hmm. I mean, you still need that, and teachers who are—oh, not me, of course—but teachers who are, who are underperforming. You need, you need, but not not just your data is not there. But what are you doing? What, what what are you doing or not doing that should be changed? Not just that your numbers are off a little bit. Yeah, it's just right. behind the story behind the data. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. Thank All you. right, guys. I got to. So- I'm sorry, but I got three minutes. But I got to give Dave his kudos too. So I got to wrap up. Okay. But. Thank you so much for Sorry, coming in today. I can't be short no, no, on any no. of these things. I, know. I don't, I I don't know how I to do another that. Hour. I could ask him if I could stay uh, another hour, but I don't think he'll let me. No, <laughs> no. Anyway, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. Each and every Saturday, I ask you to come on. You're, you're just amazing. Thank you so much. I know the citizens and everybody that you um, touch are affected by um, all the goodness that you have. You have their best interests at heart, and I want to wish you great luck and success. I know in the election coming up, and well, uh, I hope everybody. You're gets moving a on too. To Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish you the best luck and success. I don't know what you're going to do on Friday nights and Saturday mornings, but I'll uh, find I, out something. Thinking, Probably have I'm to do with think- music and jazz. I think. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. So uh, thank you for all you've done and wishing you best luck and success going forward. <laughs> well, that feels so nice. <laughs> yeah. I've been doing that for 10 years, and yeah. wow, this is the first time anybody said that to me. Thank you. <laughs> Listen, next week we have uh, Ben Quill, our veteran agent for the city of Atterborough. He wanted to come on and talk to us about all the veterans' activities that are happening on Veterans Day, but also to all the benefits that you have, so you want to stick around for that. I want to thank everybody that has participated. 
Richard, thank you so much for coming on these last couple of weeks. It's been really a lot of fun talking about different things. And the and the uh, candidates that we've interviewed have been very interesting. So, uh, yeah, don't forget to vote, everybody. And uh, if you have children, it's Halloween. Make sure that they are safe and make sure you check that candy when they come in. I'm Elaine LaRoche. Uh, I'd like to invite you to come back again. We only have like about six more shows and that's it. December 17th is my last show. So, um I invite you to come back each and every Saturday from 7 a.m. to 9 when I do this all again. All right.